You seem like a calm and reasonable person. Are you? A calm and reasonable person. If the moment calls for calm. I'd say the moment calls for calm. <laughs> yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the X Button Podcast. Today, we're, we are reviewing God of War Ragnarok. Finally, the game that I've been waiting so long to play. I streamed the entire thing on my YouTube channel. The link is in the description if you want to check it out. Have the full playthrough on a playlist with even the platinum cleanup because, of course, I got the platinum. Give it up. How am I doing this with no hands? Pretty crazy. Um, <clears throat> let me do some housekeeping first. I want to address the fact that I've been off for two weeks, and that is because... I was not feeling the greatest. I have a I had a stomach issue that was going on. It was very annoying. It was causing a lot of issues. I had to take off work, all kinds of stuff. It was a very busy two weeks for me. But I'm feeling a little better now. I got some medicine. You know, I'm I'm changed up my diet. I feel like I'm 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 feeling a little better. You know, I'm still getting some side effects and whatnot just from like my stomach being my stomach, but uh uh, I've definitely alleviated a lot of the issues so far, I think, and uh, I think I'm doing good right now. So, yeah, I apologize for the lack of episodes. It's been a while, um, and I, I acknowledge that, yeah, it's been like two weeks uh, fully. Uh, but I, I, did, I did see that the, uh, the the listenership has still went back and checked out some of the other episodes, and I appreciate you guys so much for that. Uh, it seems like there was a lot of people who actually checked out some of the uh, the most recent episodes revolving you know, game awards and whatnot. It's, it, I, I appreciate it. You guys have no idea what that means to me. I appreciate that so much. And it, it, it makes me happy to know that like there is some viewership and listenership that still wants to consume some of the product, at, you know, even when I have like a time where I have to take a step away for a second. But, um, yeah, uh, my streams have been popping off. That has been fun. I've been doing a lot of streaming lately, uh, because, sitting down and, uh, you know, I don't have to talk the entire time, <laughs> you know, I can kind of let the content of the game, uh, speak for me a little bit. So a lot of the time I can just sit there and, you know, be quiet, play some music, let the game roll around. But, uh, uh, lately I've been streaming the Callisto protocol. I'm on part two. I'm about to start part three as of this recording. Um, or maybe part four actually. Then, I've been doing a Pokemon playthrough. It hasn't been the full playthrough of my Pokemon thing. I've been doing a little bit off stream, uh, but for the most part, I'll, I'll recap it at the beginning of each stream of what I've caught, what I've done, uh, what badges I've, I've completed. I think I'm near completion on like the story on that game. I might be, um, but there's a lot to do in that game. So it's a big open world game and it's going to take a while. Uh, this episode is dedicated, as you've heard from the intro, to God of War Ragnarok, though. Um, a game that I... I platinumed, I streamed, I loved, I cried, I laughed, I I screamed, I yelled, I did everything you can imagine. Every emotion came through me um, during that playthrough, and it's 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 a great game. It's a fantastic game. Um, so just a just a quick thing, I'm going to be covering God of War Ragnarok here. I'm not going to be comparing it to any other game this year. Uh, I am going to dedicate an episode to that. Uh, whether or not it, you know certain games deserve 
or I, I think what should maybe be game of the year, what should maybe not be. Uh, I'm going to debate a little bit of that between maybe Elden Ring, God of War uh, later this week. So that might be the next episode we do. I currently, I just came to, I just really want to gush about God of War and I, I'm going to try to put it together as best I can. Uh, as you see from the title, this will have spoilers. So if you have not played the game, I definitely recommend you guys just taking five, okay? Because um, I, I need to talk about some of the spoilers to fully get out what I think about this game. And I know that like a, a, not a lot of people have played it, or you know, not a lot of people have, maybe have finished it. Rather, uh, some people took time, have lives, you know, they have other things to do, whatever. Uh, I get that. I don't have a life, so I just sat back and, and played it. Um, but overall. I, I just want to get that out there that, hey, there will be spoilers. I recommend if you are questioning whether or not you want to play this game, it is a masterpiece. Go play it. Okay, that's the bottom line to it. There's not any uh, there's not any other thing I can say about it. It's just like, spoiler free, go play it. <laughs> that's, my, that's my high recommendation. Uh, you see the reviews. You see the trailers. You know it looks good. It plays great. Okay, and you, that's all you need to know. Um, so where do we start in this long journey that was God of War? Uh, as I said, I, I'm going to try to like piece together some of my thoughts. I've explained it so much about how some of the, the plot lines came through, how some of the characters, uh, performed. I talked about, I talked about many different things over the past couple of weeks with friends on stream, all kinds of places. And this is going to be hopefully the, you know, the, uh, the Mac, the mass, you know, uh, gathering of like all the thoughts I had about this game and just spew it out. So let's, I don't even know where to start. Good Lord. Let's start with this. The game is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece through and through. Um, you have a high bar to clear whenever you're playing it because you, or whenever you're making a game like this, because it is coming off the heels of God of War 2018. This is the this is the sequel to it, so you have to like follow up well. And that game had you know a documentary around it, showing the development and how strenuous it was on the actors and on on the team, and uh, you know the deadlines being pushed, and uh, it even shows like the E3 reveal of it being shown and how everybody was going crazy and the hype levels were so high. It is. It's a massive game. 2018 set a, a massive, a massively high bar. And personally, I rank that as one of, like maybe tied with something, but one of, if not the, my favorite game of all time. Like that game was phenomenal. It transformed a character from a unlikable, uh, what, madman to a a understandable, relatable, caring person that's that actually has feelings and actually matters and like that the the one shot camera going through the game and you're just like you're on the journey with these characters. And that development was so beautiful. And I think that that's an important fact that was kept in Ragnarok that I I, I appreciate a lot. The one shot camera was something that didn't need to come back. It could have been cut all over the place, and they they went all over the place in this game, more so than 2018. So you really sit back and go, okay, well, 
it doesn't need to be that. I mean, you could you can you can break this illusion now. You don't have to do it. It was just a thing they did in 2018. No, they kept it. So anytime they switch over to Atreus, the camera just moves on over to him. Uh, anytime they leave somewhere, the camera is right there with you. Uh, anytime there's another character in the scene, the camera t- the char- the camera might like leave away and then eventually like pan back to the character. It is all one shot and it is fantastic. Um, so the bar, in my opinion, that 2018 set was cleared. I think this game sets a lot of its values on destiny. It, and not not the game, obviously. Uh, it sets its values on destiny and how how can you avert it? And I think that's a cool concept to follow because a lot of this, especially after leaving 2018, we were sitting there like we basically see Atreus killing Kratos, I think is what it was, and uh, bottom line, Kratos dying on a board. And you go, okay, well, that's how Ragnarok should end. That's how it's going to be. You can't avert destiny. And slowly throughout this game, you realize you can avert destiny. What makes destiny, quote unquote, is the illusion that you are going to follow your instincts, follow what you've been taught to do. And basically throughout this game, they teach you, you need to be better. And that's what Kratos keeps saying to Atreus. You have to be better. Be better than the past form of yourself that may have made these decisions that leads to ruin um, be smarter than the form of yourself that may let emotion take over you. There's, there's a lot of like ways you can put it, but basically be better than who you were the day before and, uh, any negative or, uh, what do you call it? Uh, nonsensical decisions you might think about making. It's like, you might want to sit back and, and just ponder it for a second, breathe and stay calm and reasonable. <laughs> um, but they, they lead you in many different directions in this game. And you, you, in your head, you've had six games to, to observe Kratos and his actions all be, Oh my God, this God did me wrong. Let me go kill him. Uh, I got to go get Zeus. Let me go kill him. Uh, you know, you might have to kill like 30 other gods on the way there, but I'm going to kill them all, you know? And it was very like, what did that lead? What did that lead him to? You know, it was, uh, he found solace in a different, a different location. He like left all that behind after doing it. And he sorely regretted it. He, he was shame, ashamed of his blades of chaos, which did all the killing. And he put it under the, uh, you know, his house, he had it hidden. And, and that's why in the first game, you don't see it for half the game. It's like he was ashamed of it. Even when he gets uh, takes off his bandages at the end of the game, uh, you can kind of see him like looking at his, his scars from his chains. And it, it really shows like that's what capped that game off so beautifully. It, it shows his evolution as a character, that he's more than just the scars on his body. And I think that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful writing. And I, I know a lot of people were like, I wish he would have killed more gods in Ragnarok and, uh, you know, all this. And I I agree, but to an extent, I think it could have been cool to see more gods maybe fighting Kratos. But on the other hand, it's this, like I said, it's about him averting destiny. It's about him changing who he is and being better. So if the whole goal of this game is to progress to that, you know, 
climax where he is, you know, sparing Thor and trying to spare Heimdall and all this, that that can't happen without him growing. And if you if you fill in all these gaps with him just like brutally destroying gods uh, for like just revenge, it, it really sours and kind of mutes the the impact of what could have been. So while on one hand, the first six games, Chains of Olympus, Ghost of Sparta, one, two, three, uh, Ascension, whatever, they were great games, don't get me wrong, but they had a different goal. They had a different mindset. They had a different view. They weren't trying to develop Kratos. They were trying to use him as a tool so the player can can have more fun than than a story, if, if that makes sense. Uh, you still got some story, obviously. You still got to see him, you know, break the 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 shoes off of what was it, Hermes or whatever. Um, you get to see him like do that first person killing and all that. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of cool moments, but you had to sit there and you know that was the past. I was if, if they did another game like that, it just I feel like it would have been just another God of War. And the fact that they did a, a full you know 180 and knocked. God of War 2018 out of the park, it sets us up for Ragnarok being even more impactful. And you can definitely see inspirations from other games or other media, um, at least in my opinion. The final Ragnarok battle, it felt like some in-game stuff. Uh, it felt like, you know, they, they, they call the horn and all the realms light up. That was beautiful. Um and I think that that's a good part to uh, to transition over into like some of the story elements that I think were so impactful in this game and, I, and that I appreciated and loved the most. Um, you start off and it, it, it gives you the the death of Fenrir, which was sad. I mean, I've lost a dog. It's it's a very that's a hard thing to do, and for them to just start with that, you go, okay, well, that's. <laughs> You know, it's it's hard to watch. It's it's rough. It's sad. It's dark. And you're going, well, you never really get to sit with Fenrir. I mean, the, outside of his death. So you're like, oh, man, I guess that's, that's impactful still because you can tell. I mean, it's been some time. You know some time has passed all the way up to the point where, like, Atreus is losing his dog, and even Kratos is losing his dog. And and Kratos never... You can tell from the interactions, Kratos uses them as tools for the most part. Uh, but he inadvertently loves Fenrir because of Atreus loving Fenrir. Fenrir. Um, which is paid off later, um, of course. But then, of course, they go to hell, and Garm is loose. And I personally was like, Fenrir in the lore is a big dog, so... I was thinking, I was like, that maybe Fenrir comes back as a big dog. And then I saw that, you know, I saw Garm. And I was like, okay, well, he is uh, a, uh, what is it, a universe-tearing monster that everyone was like, what the fuck did you do letting him lose? Like, he's a madman, a mad dog. Um, and he, you know, they do the whole sequence of them hurting him, whatever. And then they, he finds out. After, you know, going to, I think it was, I guess not Jotunheim. It was Ironwood. I think that might be in Jotunheim. Uh, but he goes he goes there and does the scene with Ingerboda, which leads him to know that, oh, I I have a soul in my, my knife, 
and when you see Fenrir die, there's only three orbs that float out of its body, which means one of the orbs, one of the parts of its soul, is in the is in the uh, is in the blade or whatever. Um, it's poetic. It's beautiful. The fact that they had that scene, and then whenever Atreus sees Garm, like in the in the little hole, whimpering, he calls it Finn. And I damn near cried. I was like, oh my god, this is so beautiful. He resurrected his dog. And not only that, Kratos even acknowledges it and he's like, sit and tells it to go home. And was just like, that's what I'm used to telling you. I'm the alpha. So I was, you know, he was basically testing it. And was like, oh yeah, that's, that, that is, that is Fenrir. And this is even paid off more after the game. You go back to Ironwood, Angerbutt is there. And he, uh, she's there with Fenrir, and you get to walk up and pet him, and he calls him a good boy, which is such a small detail, but it's like, come on, you know. Kratos had, didn't show any type of like love or affection towards that dog, and then at the end he's just like, good job, you know. It, it's a it's a cherry on top to something we didn't even need, we didn't even freaking need. Um, so that was Fenrir, right? Uh, another part was. The interaction with Thor and Odin at the beginning was very intimidating. Uh, it, it it set a it set a tone where they were kind of going to be a they were going to be not only I guess an enemy but an always watching enemy. Like you know, Odin Odin has ravens everywhere. I mean, you were collecting them in the first game; they are everywhere. So. Um, it's it, it's understandable how he would know everything that you're doing. Uh, but they, they even twist that more with Tyr, but we'll get to that in a second. <clears throat> but let's talk about Thor for a second. Thor, they first introduce him. He has his big-ass hammer. Obviously, it's a it's they did, they did the foreshadowing in the first game as the post-cred where they go to sleep and they, they have a nightmare or a dream about Thor showing up. This In this game, he is big. He's a fat boy, but he is tall. He is like a, a, a hulking giant, and he is very no-nonsense. He doesn't care about stuff. Like he, He's very lackadaisical, and it's it's pretty great watching him on screen. His voice actor is amazing. Uh, he puts on a performance that really gives him this, like, southern, raspy voice you know, and he, he it, it just makes it, it fits his character so much. Like, he just does not give a shit. He cusses a lot. He says the F word a bunch. He, um, you can tell he is suffering as well, uh, which is later shown whenever, you know, he li- they literally paid off when Kratos talks, talks him out of trying to ruin a, ruin a lot of stuff um, and either dying or, you know, ruining more stuff um, near in the Battle of Ragnarok. Um, but he is a father, just like Kratos. He has a, a tumultuous, tumultuous relationship with his, you know, uh, daughter kind of with his wife. Uh, when they first shows up, he is done with, he he's apparently not drinking him and Sif don't drink right now. Uh, they, they're sober and, you go okay. Why did why did they do that? You know, it's it's another thing. It's like 
these guys are like these Nordic gods. They should be drinking like crazy, but he's he's actually off of it. So when Odin pours him a drink, he says something like, oh, I, li- I like you better when you were drunk or whatever. Um, and he doesn't even take a sip of his cup. He just he kind of dips his finger in and rubs it on his his uh, hammer. Um, but that breaks later. You know, he gets to he, he you find him in a pub after some shit goes down with Odin and he break you know he he breaks and you get to see through through Thor's daughter which is his daughter um which is another amazing character they kind of uh, angle her to be roughly around the same age as Atreus and they get along really well and they become really good friends um but you, it really shows like the dynamic of that family where like some people are really likable some people are horrific uh, it seems like the people in power are the ones that are just like power hungry and just crazy. Thor, uh, ev- and, uh, Thor's evolution as a as a character was fantastic because you you get to see him trying to fix things at the beginning, breaking halfway through uh, when he starts drinking again, and uh, he kind of just like just follows Odin's orders for the most part. He just he walks around and and is tough shit, but he will. He will do everything his dad says. And it seems like there's a chip on his shoulder with his dad, which is pretty much confirmed. Um, where he's just trying to impress him. He's just trying to be a good son to his dad. Uh, he tra- he thought maybe that going sober would be better for him. That didn't work out. It, it just it, it makes his character even... It, it makes his character have so much more depth and makes him more likable. Uh, so when, in the payoff near the end where he gets spared by Kratos and he doesn't fight back and he yields. It's just like, Oh man, that's perfect. Like that's, that's another full circle resolution that a character needed. Um, it's even highlighted whenever, uh, you're Loki in Asgard, Thor and Sif are talking in the bedroom. And I want to say they're talking about Throod and she's like, he does. She does. She doesn't need to be a Valkyrie or whatever. Uh, she doesn't need to be a, a savage like you, basically. Uh, but he keeps wanting to like train her and stuff. And uh, as the devs put it, they were saying like Throod is kind of like their last, um, their last opportunity to like ha- raise a good child. Uh, because if you look at uh, was it Maldi and Modi? I might have the names wrong. But uh, his sons that you kill in the first game. They were brutes just like him, and they were kind of crazy. So she Sif didn't want that again. And um, yeah, overall, it, Thor Thor was an amazingly crafted character. I think that was so beautiful. Uh, Odin was great too. Odin was conniving. He was he was so weird. It was like he he pulled so many strings, and you could tell. And then the big twist with Tyr, you find out that Tyr was Odin the whole time, and there's so many details behind that where some of the devs have outlined it in interviews. There have been many moments where they talk about how you can find raven feathers in the closet. Uh, there's a scene I watched, again, where uh, it's a scene where you open one of the giant like gold room things that tells you the future, and tears there with them, which is Odin. Uh, and what they find out in that room is that Odin dies in Ragnarok. So it's destiny. And, you know, for Odin, he thinks destiny is permanent. That's that's what it is. That's why he's trying to, like, figure out the end. He just wants to know the spoilers to the end of his life. Uh, and he finds out in that scene. So as Tyr 
he like starts walking up because he's just shocked. And you see him like kind of like push uh, uh, Atreus out of the way with his shoulder. And I was just like, oh my God, dude, so many small details. Uh, the dev said there's like a, a dwarf in uh, Svartalheim, I think, where as you're going through, uh, he'll spit at you like he's on a bridge above you and he'll spit down at your boat. Um, that was beautiful. And that's even paid off more because not only is he there in this prison at the end of the game where uh, you find all of Odin's disguises, um, Tyr's there as well. And Tyr's not the same Tyr that you run into. So the whole game, you're liking Tyr. You're like, oh, wow. But he's also like a coward. He doesn't want to fight. He's very, he's, he's very like against combat. And it maybe makes more sense now that it's Odin because like, you know, if you're just in disguise, you wouldn't want, yeah, I mean, I feel like you wouldn't be able to put on a, I don't know how to put it. I feel like you wouldn't be able to do much as a disguise, but whatever. Um, but the uh, Tyr himself, whenever you unlock him from the prison, he is a different mannered person. He's way different. He's been in prison forever, and he's not a coward. He, he's just like, what's going on here? What what happens if Odin hears about this? Da, 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 da. And they're like, Odin's dead. Ragnarok's over. And he, he basically got to miss out on something he probably would have included himself in. Uh, but you don't really get to see that side of him because he's he, he basically realizes that he was not used, um, not helpful at all for Ragnarok, for all their people. And it leaves him in kind of like this soul-searching journey where he's going across the realms looking, just looking at things and, and, and pondering and you get beautiful closure of him at the world's end. And he's just like, this is where Ragnarok started. Da, 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 da. Um, and it's just beautiful, man. Tyr, Tyr was a great character. I kind of, I kind of loved like their dynamic between like the family or whatever. Uh, but it, it, if you piece all the pieces together, you can definitely see it early. There was also small details where they're like, uh, the accent over Tyr's name and that it's subtitles wasn't, accented whenever it was odin it's weird uh but there's a lot of like small details like that um what who what other characters anger boda anger boda was amazing uh anger boda was the she's basically the person who writes all the giant boards basically knows destiny um or i guess the predicted destiny uh, she gets to write all those or draw all those on the boards and she is in ironwood and that is a place that Atreus gets from going to visit Jormungandr and Jormungandr is like, yo, go to Ironwood and revive me. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm going to get knocked back in time in the Ragnarok battle. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Anger Butter was a great character. I thought their, her interaction with Loki was beautiful. They didn't like hammer it in too much where like they're lovers and they, you know, they're so interested in each other. They slow cook that shit. They let you go. Hey, uh, here's Anger Boda's you know, family issues and, and how her perspective is from being, uh, this artist forever and not really having much chance to go explore. Uh, Loki kind of gives that to her and is like, Hey, you know, help me out. I'll help you out. And, and they kind of find this like bond together and near the end of the game where they're basically agreeing to go off and, and find the other giants. She realizes like, you know, he is the champion of Ragnarok. He's supposed to be the one that is going to be 
you know, the one that saves everything. And all his actions in this game lead to Ragnarok, so she was right. But her character was great. I love her interaction with uh, Loki and uh, uh, her grandma. I love the scene with her grandma. And that scene was great. Let's talk about Jormungandr and her grandma for a second. Um, So her grandma is a disgruntled giant who lives in Ironwood. I think it's Ironwood. And she basically has been taking the souls out of uh, living creatures and just watching their whole life just so she can feel again. She's basically like a crumbled old lady uh, who hasn't really communicated with Angerboda in a long time. But while they're in there, and uh, this is going to be the whole Jormungandr loop, they uh, they find a soul, or they find a uh, soulless snake. It's just a snake, dead snake there that's soulless. And, uh, you, you know, Loki is like, hey, you just gave me this bag of giant souls let me try to put one in this in this uh in this snake and at first i was like oh wow there's gonna be like two snakes whatever uh but the snake kind of just like wakes up looks around and just leaves and you don't see it ever again you're like what the fuck um then during the battle of ragnarok you see the big snake again but it's it's you know you see the you see the big boy and he's like he's like uh it's it's the one we know, but they're like he, he seems different, and that's because you kind of realize that there's like you know Atreus knows that he put the giant soul in him, uh, and this is more paid off whenever you play God of War twenty eighteen. Whenever they first meet Jormungandr, they say uh, Jormungandr finds Atreus familiar, and that's because he put the soul into the snake to create Jormungandr, uh, so he knows him. He knows he's familiar. They both speak giant for a reason. You know, they that 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 part, that whole writing scheme was awesome. So his life is basically from that point wherever Loki creates him, and uh, he lives all the way up until the point where um, he gets knocked back in time. So he's he's a is in he's in a permanent time loop, and that's pretty cool. Um, but all in all, Jormungandr was a, a cool part. I, I never the thought of like paying off something from the first game was pretty great. I never really thought I needed that, but it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and let's talk Freya now. Freya is crumbled. I mean, at the beginning of the game, she is trying to kill you and Loki. And, uh, you definitely get to see how much the bond has grown between Kratos and Atreus where they are comboing this chick off their sled. Like they're doing teamwork so perfectly. And, uh, you can definitely see the respect that's grown from uh, for Kratos towards Loki. The the growth of Freya basically. You see her in shambles. She has these like permanently tear permanent tears down her face, or like her makeup's running. And you get to see, you know, Atreus is trying to make amends with her. He goes he goes and tries to make amends, and. Kratos is just like leave her alone you know Sindri's like leave her alone everybody just like stop don't do it but uh it leads her to kind of forgive Kratos at some point and and makes her a valuable asset to their whole goal um she and her brother Freyr after they reunite they have both they're both interesting characters that I, I didn't think 
they, they might be like the characters I care the least about for real because there's, you know, after the whole first game, Freya is kind of just like the new partner to Kratos at this point, but she is also very well developed already. So I, I didn't need a lot more from her, but to see her forgive and kind of be better as well. Like she, she had her own arc where she got to learn and grow and accept this new fate. Like she's, she's pretty awesome. Although she, she ignored uh, her house, Charlie, the big turtle for a little too long. And that was part of the game. You had to go heat him up again. And he was all pissed. Um, and, uh, you know, it was all right. Let's talk about Brock and Sindri. Now Brock and Sindri are phenomenal. The first game you get, you get a little bit of them. Like they're, they're just there whenever you repair and you have little conversations. This game, they are full front and center, man. Brock, Brock's storyline is one of my favorite in Ragnarok. Surprisingly, I didn't think it was going to be, but the fact that it was, I was like, wow. Sindri and Brock, they are the, the dwarf, uh, blacksmiths that help you. Sindri helps you make Dropnir, which is this new spear. We'll get to that in a second. And then Brock's storyline. I mean, something you find out in the game is that Brock is only three parts of his soul. Uh, later, later on, you find out it's the direction part that he's missing. But uh, each soul is made up of four parts. And he is... He is missing a part of it because Sindri brought him back to life. And... He couldn't go get the last part. So he's basically a shell of a soul kind of. So if he dies, he's like, die, he's dead for good. Like there's no soul bringing him back or nothing. He's dead because it's not a complete soul. Um, so he starts off and you get this random question, this random thing. What gets bigger the more you take away? That part was such a, it was just a, it was dialogue literally as you're walking around. And I was like, okay, cool. This is just banter. Uh, and then Mimir throughout the whole game is trying to figure it out. You know, he's trying to to understand this riddle because he's not really into riddles. And then there's a big bit about like, you know, Kratos not liking riddles either. And and uh, one of the riddles making actually actually making him laugh and stuff. There's like a you know ups and downs to that whole storyline. Um, but he keeps you know he'll randomly say, oh, what about this? And Brock's like, no, da 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 da. Um. But then whenever you go get Dropnir and Brock is realizing that the mermaid is not seeing him, not paying attention to him at all, not not focusing on him at all, he goes, Mimir says she can only see people with a full soul. That's when you're, that's that's the most, I mean, that's she didn't see you because of that reason. So uh, you're not a full soul. And he he's mad. He's like, damn it, I... I knew I was dead. He's like, I, I know I was dead and um, I'm pissed that Sindri, that Sindri didn't tell me and whatnot. And uh, when they leave, he's just like, hey, this is my story to tell. I don't want you to say anything to Sindri. So Sindri never even gets that like realization really. He's just like, he's just like, okay. Um, you know, he, he, for, for now at least. Um, so... That part was great, and then Kratos makes him bless Dropnir, which is awesome. Uh, gives him more more importance, and then you get to the part where he gets stabbed, and you're like, "That was such a random thing to happen." Obviously, the big reveal—you're kind of like shocked by the reveal of Tyr being Odin, and 
you don't even piece together like, oh shit, Brock got stabbed. Like if he dies, he's dead. And he dies. And Sindri is probably the saddest storyline of the whole game. You get to sit there and see him go from this man who is always, you know, he's a germaphobe. He is a he is a very careful, precise person. He cares about his brother. He cares about the people he helps. He is a a good person. He is a a great character who is who who focuses on helping others. And then you get to that scene and you see he is so broken. He's he is so a shell of a man that he doesn't really even want to like be around. He doesn't want to acknowledge he doesn't want to acknowledge Kratos or Loki. He doesn't want to help them at all. He knows he has to because Ragnarok's going to happen. Everything's going to go to shit if he doesn't. But he is a different person. He is literally covered in blood, the blood of Brock. And he is like, he just doesn't care. He's not careful about anything. He's just like, whatever, you know, I'll help. But after this, I'm out of here. Like he's, his storyline is so beautiful, but it's, it's dark. It's sad. He doesn't get really much of a resolution outside of killing Odin, but um, he basically helps them break into, you know, through Ragnarok and whatnot. And when he breaks Odin's little orb, whenever Odin gets put into a, a giant orb uh, and he smashes it, it was satisfying to see him get redemption in that way. But it is also kind of like, it's like an inverse of Kratos's path. Like Kratos is a savage, hungry, blood hungry monster it's literally what they call him, especially when he kills Heimdall. Uh, and he realizes that he can be better. He can be somebody else. Sindri is this this good guy, this great dude who cares about everybody his whole life. He's very careful. And it led to him losing the one person he loves the most. And that led him to be a, you know, uh, vengeful is what they use, the word they use. And he was vengeful, and he he killed Odin. He just smashed the orb, and that, was, that shit's gone. So he, um, it's weird. It's very weird. It's a uh, it's a sad part because you get to go to the funeral, and that's where you get the payoff. And, th- and this game is all about payoff, and this is why I tell you guys this. He go you go to the funeral. He's sat. He's not saying much at all. I don't even think he says a word. He's just like dead silent. He shoots the arrow to burn. Uh, Brock's body or whatever. He he gives Kratos a stare, just like, don't fuck with me, and leaves. And that's like the last time you see Sindri. He's just like, I don't fuck with any of you guys. I'm out. And the whole time I was doing platinum cleanup, I was like, I pray to God he comes back and there's some happy ending with him. There's not. He He literally is just in shambles. And we won't know until there's another game. If, you know, I would assume he was really good friends with Loki and he didn't even say bye to Loki when he left. Like there was, there's not, there's not a lot of redemption there. It's just a sad ending for a sad character. And the cherry on top, this is where you get payoff, is during the funeral scene, uh, Mimir randomly says, a hole. And he's talking about the, the riddle that Brock gave him early in the game. And he's like, the hole is something that gets bigger the more that's taken away, implying that uh, the hole that's within Sindri got bigger when Brock was taken away. Uh, so it leaves him as a shell of a man, and it's just all 
It was such good payoff. And it's such a it's so sad, but it's like we didn't we didn't need that. That that's like after you beat the game. You don't even need to do the funeral. Like if you don't care after that, after you beat the game, you're done. You're done, bud. But it's it's cherries on top, man. There's so many cherries on top in this game. So let's talk about Kratos, the 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 piece, the main guy, the dude. He he's struggling throughout this game because he knows how easy this game would be to clear up if he just if he goes vengeful, if he goes God of War one through six, if he does that, if he becomes the monster again, this shit's wrapped up but maybe not the way he wants it to be. That's where Loki helps out Odin, helps him look with the mask, and Kratos is dead. And that's what it would ultimately lead to. And that's what everything is telling him. That's that's the whole point of the game. They're like, hey, you're on this board dead because you're you. And if you're you right now, then hey, this is what's going to happen. Uh, and it's basically saying, hey, you got to subvert your your... Your destiny, you have to change it. And ultimately he does, but it takes a while to get there. It, ta- it starts with him questioning his loyalty or Loki's loyalty at all because he's like, hey, these boards are saying you help out Odin. You gotta, you can't do that shit. I don't even know if he knows that. Actually, I think Anger Boda knows that, not him. But he's basically like, why the fuck are you going to help out Odin? Why are you doing this? This is bad news. Like, you shouldn't be over there. Uh, it just has a concerned dad. And... uh it gets him to like, even when he starts helping them out with like, you know, getting Fenrir back. The first thing he says is like, is this what you learned in Asgard? And you know, he's, he, he's so, he's so, I wouldn't say jealous, but he's just so, uh, I guess envious of Odin and how clean and how much, uh, Loki looks up to him because he is a nice guy. He is a, he's a great dude. He's just, he's got bad intentions in the long run, but, um, you definitely see him struggling to accept the fact that it, you know, Loki's getting older. He can do his own adventuring. He he can go off and and save the world, and be, become you know he's already better than what Kratos is. So he's like he he doesn't acknowledge that for a while, but he he accepts it. He wants to be a protector, but he also knows that Loki can take care of himself now. And I think after the Fenrir scene and um. You know, after after interrogating Loki a bunch and after Loki runs away, uh, it gets to a point where he's just like, I have to accept that he's he's grown now. He he can basically he's got to be able to do what he has to do, and if he doesn't, then we're all screwed because he's a champion. He's he's the one that is supposed to do everything. But uh, so it's like a push and pull of, you know, do I protect my son by force or do I protect my son by letting him do what he wants to do, and that whole storyline is the base of the game that's the root that's the the middle that's the that's the the underlying plot of the entire thing is his acceptance of loki being his own person and him not needing kratos uh because there's parts where like kratos is like uh or uh loki's like i just want to make sure you're safe you know he starts saying it back to kratos he's like i want to make sure you're protected i want to make sure you're safe uh i want to know if you're going to be okay when i'm gone He's like, I want to know that you're all right. And that's sad. It's beautiful. I love it. It's just, it's just so, it's written so well that it's just, you get, let's talk a little bit more about payoffs, right? The scene, one of my favorite scenes, and this is such a small thing, and I don't even know if you guys have seen it. 
that's how small it is. Um, and I always talk, I talk, talk about this with my friends and I talked about it on stream. There's nothing telling you to do certain things after you beat the game. Nothing. Well, I mean, some things are obviously there's some missions and whatnot, but there are, there are certain things you get rewarded by, by doing them after the, after the game ends that you don't need to do. For example, Kratos is now with Freya. Not only is there tons of, literally tons of dialogue between Freya, Mimir, and wherever you go, there is now the opportunity to go to places that you'd be like, oh yeah, this has not happened yet. Freya has not been back to Charlie, her house, the entire game. She's been gone. What if I take her there? You take her there. She apologizes to Charlie for not being there. Like there's there's dialogue of of her like literally talking to the house and was just like, I'm sorry, da 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 da. Um, but the one moment that made this game, I mean, there's so many moments, but the one one of the moments that made this game so beautiful to me was when you get done with this long journey, you you clear out Ragnarok, you 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 make some sacrifices, you become the monster and you leave. Uh, and you're not the monster anymore. You you accept f- that fate is something that you can change as long as you're just a better form of yourself. And once you get to through all of that, Loki is ready to leave. Uh, Kratos says the most beautiful line in fucking God of War history, and it's uh, Loki goes, Atreus remains, and he holds his heart and he starts crying. And that part got me so good. I wanted to cry harder, <laughs> but I was trying to keep it together for stream. But good lord, that that part was so beautiful, and it, it was just the com- the culmination of all this struggle and him just getting to the point of acceptance. And he goes now. After that, he goes around sees his destiny, and that ultimately shows him being worshipped as a god, which is something that Odin said he would never be because he's too much of a savage. And him diverting his destiny changed that to where now that he was the general of Ragnarok and he led all that and it was successful, he is now a revered god and it will be worshipped as so. So he's already earned that status. He's in retirement. He's done it. He's, he's completed his his cycle. And now he can like live until he dies in, in, this, in the Nine Realms or whatever. And basically be be a god a revered god and that's that's so beautiful now the detail i'm talking about after all this loki's gone the ga- end of the game he's done he is on his new adventures in god of war what 6 or 7 or whatever he's he's out of here so you don't see him at all anymore but the if you like i said if you're thinking about places to visit after you beat the game one place i thought to visit was his room. I was like, oh yeah, let me go to his room. Cause like the entire game, you don't really interact with him in his room. You just kind of like talk to him outside of it, whatever, but you know where he stays. So you can go. And like I said, there's not, there's not any prompt for this. There's not a thing telling you to do this. There's not a quest. There's not anything. There's not a button that pops up when you get there. It's literally just a dialogue that happened. So I went in his room and just stood there and waited a second. And he starts to ask Mimir, who he calls brother in, uh, in one part of the game, which I almost cried at that part. Um, Mimir is always calling him brother, and he 
calls him brother back and it really felt like that was like uh loki's uncle at that point like that was that was sick um a tommy to kratos's joe pretty much um he goes in and he's like have i prepared him enough you think he's you think he's prepared enough and Mir's like i think so and he's like do you think this anger boda is the right one to um to write one for him basically and he's Memir's like I think we both had the same instinct when we first met Angerboda and I think that was the right instinct and he's like I agree and I was like that's so beautiful he was still questioning it after he was still worried about it after he was still pondering if he made the right decision after it all because he was he was he was, you know, he's by himself. Loki goes, Atreus remains. He's he's by himself. He's with Freya. Uh, he's with Mimir. He still has his family. It's just his, you know, his one shining light has to go. He went off to college and he's at home alone now. So uh, it's such beautiful payoff, man. The The payoff with Brock, the payoff with Loki, the payoff with Thor getting, uh, getting, uh, spared after he, like him yielding and actually trying to help Kratos at the end. Um, Thrude gets Mjolnir at, at some point after the end of the game. Uh, she's like sitting there and she's like, dad, I'm going to make you proud. And like yeets off with uh, Mjolnir. I was like, Oh my God, Sif didn't marry me, but I don't know what the hell happened. Um, fucking Freyr is back in his stuff. Uh, it's just, Everything, everything else, everything in this journey was so beautiful. I feel like this game is on par, if not better than God of War 2018, which was my favorite game of all time. This one might be my favorite game of all time. And I know it's recent. I know it's so recent. That's why another reason why I was waiting, because I didn't want to like dive straight into it with a bunch of thoughts that were like, oh my God, I love it. I'm gushing. I'm, it's been like two weeks and I'm still gushing about it. I, I it's something that's going to sit with me for a while. I still look up videos. And I'm like, oh yeah, all these moments are coming back. It's a journey. It's an adventure that is paid off so much from details from the first game, from interactions you have in this game, the, the bonds you build between you, the characters that are in this game. It's sweet. It, it's mini cherries on top. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, any other word to put it. It's just God of War Ragnarok gameplay wise. I guess that's another thing I haven't really touched on, but we can lightly touch on that gameplay improves on everything that God of War 2018 did. Uh, you fight more Valkyries, but they're easier now because you have like three weapons. You have all these different abilities. You have tons of like customizable armor things like they went balls to the wall with all that. And there's tons of armor. There's tons of abilities. There's tons of like, it used to be, okay, on my ax, I'm going to put in these runes or whatever. And that's going to be like the ability kind of thing or whatever. Now it's like, that's just the, the attacks and that's how it is. And then you just leave those alone. You don't have to do any like runes or anything. It's, this is all, you have a amulet that has a bunch of like, of I think like 10 amulet slots and you get to slot those. But, um, Overall, the gameplay was so fun. Well, the drop in your spear is one of the best weapons, I think, in my opinion. I obviously liked Blades of Chaos. That was I used that the most, maybe. But uh, the Leviathan Axe still had like the power, the the 
the Blades of Chaos had the range or had the uh, had the widespread attacks, and then the Drofnir had the range where you can like you know launch a bunch into into people and like slam it on the ground and it would explode. So the gameplay was there, the story was there, everything was there, man. This game is a masterpiece. X Men Podcast review is definitely a ten out of ten, and I expect this. This is definitely going to be, and I, I know this is it's one hundred percent going to be. It's in the running for game of the year, and in, for most people's discussion, it's leading to Elden Ring or God of War. Uh, I'm not going to answer that here, but I will be talking about it on the next episode probably. God of War, Ragnarok, right now, as it sits, recency bias, whatever aside, whatever, is one of the best games ever made in my book. Um, I personally think that every little thing you do in this game, anytime you think there might be something, there is something. There's a lot of parts where if you're like when you're in Loki and Asgard, if you just like stick around characters after they tell you to leave, they'll, there's like 30 lines of dialogue that they'll just keep going on about and like, you got to go. What, what's going on here? Um, so many moments like that. If you just stick around and listen to the characters talk, they'll keep going and going and going. Ratatosker, forgot about Ratatosker. Can't end this review without Ratatosker. Ratatosker was one of my favorite characters as well. Uh, he mainly dished out side content, but uh, his goal to like repair Nidhogg's babies and um, the deer and whatnot and just collecting all that, his insight was great. His his uh, different personalities were fantastic. Uh, it's just what a fantastic character, man. Every single character, there, was, there wasn't a single, actually, there was a single character I did not like. Uh, I forgot his name. His name was like uh, Schwarter or whatever. He's the guy in um, in Asgard. He's a, he's the the I think he's a Midgard person, but he's like an Asgard outside of the wall that you meet. I don't care for that guy. Whatever. He's he's such fodder, but you don't really interact with him a lot. Um, and then yeah, Fenrir and all that stuff. Man, I'm just uh, Scotty and Haiti. I think it's or Skull and Haiti. Is it Skull and Haiti? Uh, them two, they, one controls moon, one controls like daytime or whatever. Anytime you did that transition to like change the day and night cycle at, uh, Vanaheim, beautiful. Vanaheim was crazy. The crater was there. You get to learn more about phrase, uh, or phase, um, history there. There's like another lightning bolt. Like it's happened before Frey did it or Faye did it. God, I keep saying Frey. Faye did it. And, uh, you get so much payoff of like Kratos and uh, Faye's relationship and how they were and just like how they interacted. It's like I said, they answer everything, man. There's so much here you leave. Like I, I left the end of the game with a lot of questions and all of them were answered by the end of it. And I was like, thank you. That's I, as a player, I'm satisfied. That's like all I needed. I spent like 50 hours on the game getting the platinum. Like, that's all I needed. I wanted the answers or the questions answered. I wanted the gameplay to be satisfying. I wanted the story to be a masterpiece and all the boxes were checked. My boys, all of them were checked and God of War Ragnarok will go down in history as one of the best games ever made. One of the best sequels ever made. I think that's even another thing. And, uh, I'm hoping that honestly, I'll go ahead and give some spoiler to my, my next episode. I'm hoping it gets game of the year, but I, I understand when Elden Ring is on multiple platforms, a lot more people played it. My hands are in the air for that. Like I, I can't control that, but hey, that one's a masterpiece too. So we'll see. 
Uh, but thank you guys for listening. This has been the X Button Podcast. I appreciate you guys being patient with the episode drops. Um, I will be releasing this on a Monday, so uh, look out for more episodes this week. I should be popping out another one regarding uh, what I think should win Game of the Year. I'm going to try to get it out before the Game Awards, which I think is Thursday. So uh, look out for all this. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Happy Monday. Start some new goals, and I will see you guys next time. Bye, guys.